The Authority Hangout. Conversations with the top SEOs, community managers, content marketers, and thought leaders in the digital marketing space. Join us to learn more about optimizing your online presence and growing your brand's authority. And welcome to the Authority Labs Hangout on Air, our live YouTube event. I am joined by fellow Authority Labs team member Melissa Fash and a couple of super awesome SEO guests, which I'm going to allow Melissa to do introductions for. Well, um, why don't we start with Jeff? And Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our audience exactly what you do and what your Hi. skills are? Oh, thank you. Uh, my name is Jeff Coyle. Um, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer for Market Muse, uh, which is a technology that enables semantic analysis of web content uh, for the purposes of content marketing and to you know improve your search engine positioning. Uh, my background, I've worked is in the search engine optimization and content marketing and product management in the uh, in, in related fields in business to business technology and all kinds of different spaces for uh, more than 16 years. Uh, so I've worked for large publishers, uh, run a consulting company uh, focused on optimization, paid organic conversion rate optimization. Uh, if it involves getting traffic through a website, I've probably done it. Uh, and now working with uh, semantic analysis uh, and focusing on you know post hummingbird search engine optimization. Um, as a you know as a priority, and so the technology that we um, that we manage enables uh, competitive analysis, uh, site audits, figuring out your strengths and weaknesses, and then basically how can you go from wherever you are today into building a content plan that's going to be effective and gets the most uh, bang for your buck for your content dollar. So, um, so that's a big break for me. Uh, thanks. Great. And Eric, can you. Tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, thanks very much. Good to talk to everyone. Um, so, I came from SEM Rush, where I was up until the end of last year. Have been on my own for it'll be a year as of January one. Um, finally, I'm at the point where um, I've turned this from being consulting to starting a company. And that's uh, Clickstream, which uh, just waiting for the paperwork back from the, the you know the whoever it is in, in the state of Pennsylvania that finishes that up. Um, but <clears throat> so at SEM Rush, obviously, I had the good fortune of using some of the most interesting data related to SEO, and and you know really being basically I worked with their major accounts to collaborate with some some fantastic SEOs and also smaller business people. Um, and, and learn what they're doing that works and share what I learned. Um, prior to that, I've been in digital media for since I worked on the, the first Barnes & Noble website in 1996, so quite a while, off and on at least. And um, yeah, my focus is both semantic right now, also I guess you could say data journalism and data analysis using the kinds of data you would find probably also in authority labs, but certainly SAM Rush. I'm actually working on a big data study with Jeff right now. With it's going to include some of the semantic insights from from his software to really show from a new perspective how Hummingbird is affecting the way Google treats web pages. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. 
And is this data going to be something that's like available to everyone or at some yeah, point? So it's, it's a little bit in stealth mode, but I guess what I could say, <laughs> if you think of like, <laughs> if you think of the, uh, the Moz ranking study, or if you think of the BuzzZumo, BuzzZumo did an unbelievable sort of big data study that looked at a hundred million articles and found, you know, patterns. So this, I think, will get as much reach as one of those. Um, I'm, I'm actually doing it for Backlinko and Brian Dean. Love but, him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm overseeing it for him. But, you know, Brian and I think that, that the data that's going to come from Market News Jeff's company will be really fascinating because – so what we've seen that – you know, if you haven't seen this, I think definitely take a look at the Moz ranking study and read particularly about comprehensive – and holistic information as it relates to hummingbird, those are words that get thrown around a lot. Basically, the importance of fully covering a topic. So, so understand that because both of those, which I consider, um, you know, two of the best studies about the importance of hummingbird and semantics, it's interesting that they really highlight that as number one overlooked. It's the, the biggest thing people are not paying attention to, and there are interesting reasons why. But you know, Jeff, maybe you can speak to how, as compared to the way they're trying to skin the cat, that's kind of a horrible expression, isn't it? Um, <laughs> how, how are we skinning the cat in terms of a, a new way of, of, of really looking for Market Muse's algorithm at these different pages? Why is that different from maybe the way Moz or Search Metrics may have, may have looked at this stuff? Well, I think from someone who is coming at it from a business owner perspective or a site owner, uh, you know, how is this going to help me? You know, what I'm really focused on is how can we apply this knowledge into what makes up the the prototype for authority on a particular topic? You know, what is what does it mean for you to have a set of content that is made up of a set of topics, which is made up of a set of words, and how do we learn the relationships between those multi, you know, as they say, you know, multigrams, but it's actually just, you know, topics that have multiple words in them. How do we combine those things and look at the relationships between those topics and other topics and how the structure of your site is involved and combining all those things and combine a lot of different sites and a lot of different, uh, you know, measurements into saying what is the prototype what is the perfect model of authority what user tasks are are you able what tasks are you able to complete when reading this content the depth of content are you covering related topics in a way that satisfies a great the greatest percentage of users who are taking on these particular tasks when researching these topics because in the end you know the whole goal of all of this is how are users having a more successful search experience and if you can satisfy as many of these user intent profiles as you can with your content, then you are building a site that is a model of authority. And if you're not, and you're one-dimensional, or you're not covering content with depth, or you're doing something like, you know, focusing on keywords in isolation, as Eric likes to say uh, quite a bit, and I've, I've I've taken on that frequently. It's you know that that pro that typical SEO text where you you know you've got a page and it's broken down and you've peppered in your favorite phrase and all the stuff around it isn't all that great you're not providing any expert insight um, you know that's no longer 
relevant, and that's the important phrase I think as we're talking about today, is what makes you relevant to the highest percentage of users that are doing the things that you want them to do when they go to your site. And that's really what this data study is looking to do in a very, very different way. And I think what we're going to figure out is a lot of insights into how large chunks of topics are related to other large chunks of topics and really build some observations from that about how, how Hummingbird has influenced what we see every day. And the greatest thing about machine learning is when it's done well, it looks real easy. <laughs> so. Well, you kind of answered the first question I had for you. Oh. Um, <laughs> Good like that. <laughs> if, so if we, if we made it a little simpler, if you were mm -hmm. talking to an everyday business owner mm -hmm. who isn't an expert in SEO, right. How would you explain what semantic search is and why it is important for them? Like to understand the concept for their marketing in the future. Eric, you want to give yeah, me Yeah, so um, and just to put a, a bow on what I was saying before, because um, it, it, Jeff's right to speak more about, you know, what's important to, 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 to you guys listening versus, you know, why are these studies different? I, I think... I think um, one thing that's really important that's not talked about enough is that it's hard to, to show, and it's very abstract, um, why this thorough semantic coverage really helps. It's not something you see in your Google Analytics very right. easily. You can't just say, oh, look, I did. I made my site like more semantically relevant. Now I'm doing well. So it's, it's not like these other things like keyword research where you say, oh, I put this word in and, and, and now look, I bumped up. And, and that's why people are not, are not paying attention to this enough. So I think this, this new study that we're doing is going to be a new way of really proving, like connecting the dots that, yes, look at these pages that are very thorough and look at these that aren't. Um, I, I, so how is it important for the everyday website user? They, they need to, to read about this stuff, and, and there's a leap of faith if they're not seeing it as easily, um, I guess you could say correlated or as easily popping out at them in their Google Analytics, there is a leap of faith. Unless they use a tool that sort of grades their semantic or, or if they just totally change their approach to how they're writing their, their site, it's not going to be easy to see the results. And, and that's, it can be less rewarding. But, you know, once you, you um, what's the word, you, you take the medicine, you, you, uh, you buy that this works, um, and you really change how you're writing so that you fully cover your area of expertise, you will see a difference over time. And, you know, Marcus, who's the CEO of, of, of Search Metrics, has been really focused on this for a long time. Um, and he shows some great examples about sites that really fully cover topics doing well, and those that have like a topic creep, it doesn't do as well. So this, this semantic thing that Google's doing, it's, it's, a, it's, it's good overall, but it's a little odd because it, it, if your website's kind of a renaissance website where it likes to cover a lot of disparate subjects, it's just not going to do as well. You know, so if you're all about like, I don't know, um, you know, the best law firms in Boston, that's the topic of your website, and then you have this whole, a bunch of pages about like football in Chicago, that's going to literally hurt your ranking overall. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it is that you've got to focus your content on one thing because it's being judged by machine learning and an algorithm and they don't get it when you start talking about other things. 
Well, you know, I, I think that you know you touched on a few really great points there, and you know, when I'm when I'm looking at it from a you know business owner's perspective, someone that might have a small to medium sized website, it's put an X-ray, put some X-ray vision on your content, read your content. What tasks can you complete? What have you learned if you came in blank and you just looked at the content on your site? What are those things that you've done? Are you predominantly informational? Are you for somebody who owns a particular product and this is how you manage that product? Are you troubleshooting? Are you giving how-tos? Or are you doing everything on these topics? Because at the end of somebody's uh, taking up all of that information and bringing it into their brain, what do they know now? Because the combination of everything that you write is the collective of what you're telling the world you are about. And when you abstract and take away, take all those topics out of that corpus of documents that you're saying, this is my brand, this is my site, or this is my group of sites in a network that are all combined, when you do all of those things, that's what you are about now. All of those other off-page factors are still very valuable, and they're part of the system. But if you're not providing a great user experience that's allowing these users to accomplish tasks on these topics, you're going to find yourself in a tough, tough situation. Or if you're very one-dimensional, especially post-query uh, rewriting, uh, query rewriting technologies that look for specific answers to specific questions that we see. Um, if you're only informational and someone is coming in looking for the answer to a specific question and you don't frequently answer that question or answer questions at all, you're going to start finding yourself as getting one-dimensional traffic. Users looking for what is this instead of how do I fix this? And so you got to think about how are users looking for your particular topics. You got to think about what are the words on your page, the words on your page, the topics that you cover, how in-depth you're covering them, as Eric mentioned, uh, and think through what is this? What is the collective of all these things telling the world that I am about? And is that enough to being competitive? Because we haven't talked about competitive analysis, we haven't talked about you know uh, the true models of authority, but these are things that you got to think about because what makes you the most dominant force on the internet for this topic? And that's why semantic semantic search is so different than just traditional keyword uh, keyword uh, ranking, keyword studies, keyword optimization. A big dynamic is once you have that authority, you can really use. And I know this is a segue. Uh, this is something that we'll probably talk about. Um, you can segue into other keyword research dynamics, but you know you really have to think about what does my site as a collective mean to a user who's going to con consume all of my content. So. Yeah, the funniest thing I hear from business owners is we don't make money off our website. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not giving them the information that they need, right. which Google would find valuable as well. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you all remember the old days of SEO where you could just title your page with a question and Google would index it. Oh, yeah. Yep. I miss those days. <laughs> well, well if, 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 you, if you think about uh, title misalignment is still a very, very common problem, okay. even post-semantic understanding. So if the body of your content and your headline don't match your title, well, yep. you're, you're starting from a great area of confusion. Now, you know, the search engine is going to have to do a lot more work. Does the body, does the, what the body means describe the headline? Does the headline describe the title? And when you're doing mismatch in that type of situation, it can still create, it is now creating problems. It could add a more robust set of uh, coverage topics for your page, but most most likely it's creating a misalignment situation. So that's something to think about as well. So it's yeah. a good, good point and observation. Before you just put the question in, you probably were going to be number one for somebody typing that question. Right. Um, yeah, good fun all days, right? Big right. long lists of queries and yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, getting search results indexed almost. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that you all both have touched on that um, I heard people say repeatedly at PubCon they did not know what it was mm -hmm. is machine learning. Can you guys kind of break that down for people? Sure. I'll, um, I'll Eric, Eric, you go. That, that, um, you know, that I don't, I'm, I, I don't know a lot of the super, like, detail-y stuff on this, and I – I used to find some of these things intimidating to understand, but they're just, they're just not, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know all the super details, and I don't need to for the kind of research that I do to work with clients to do this stuff. It's not rocket science to do it if you understand the principles. If you have to write the algorithm like someone working for Jeff's company, then yeah, they could be a rocket scientist probably. Uh, <laughs> but so machine learning is, is really pretty simple. It's just the idea that that, that Google is, you know, as they call these results, as they, they, they crawl pages and they put these things in their databases, they analyze what they found and they, they find meaning or they find results, they find similarities, they find correlations that helps them learn, it helps the, the database learn something new to apply to, let's say, the next time they go out and crawl, or the new way that they want to, the, you know, tweak the algorithm. It's, it's just, you know, it's just the data is helping to, to create a more informed um, way of understanding what's there without a human having to look at it. And that's, I guess, part of the key is the human doesn't have to look at it. It's, it's that the data is informing itself. But, Maybe that's not as eloquent as Jeff. You might want to add to that. Well, no, you, you said it. And so by saying, you know, the data is working for Google in its uh, use of machine learning, think about the thing that Google has the most of its data, whether it's text, visual, audio, um, you know, user activity, um, you know, the, the creation of things like the, the knowledge graph, relationships between one chunk piece of uh, you know entities and topics to other entities and topics they have a lot of data so machine learning can be broken down and yes by the way our algorithm designer is one of the smartest human beings I've ever met um, but, but uh, the um, you know yes machine learning is about you know there's a lot of different types of machine learning some of them are supervised by data sets and where when you have a lot of examples that are all labeled by some sort of labeling process that can be very, very valuable. When you're dealing with um, something that's more unsupervised learning, um, that's when you're, you know, learning from observations or data sets that, you know, where it's just continuously moving. And when you think about the early, early days of Google using this type of technology, they were taking hypotheses about what makes a search result more successful or what makes search result of better quality or what makes a page of better quality. They would apply all of this technology to that to say, okay, out of the bottom of the funnel there, did that work? Did my hypothesis work? If it did, we might consider it for a ranking factor. Well, over time, that's continued to grow and grow and grow until now we are where we are. And it's happening all the time. It's going to mean that the algorithm, the changes in the algorithm, the specificity of what they can even publish of what the algorithm does or what makes up a fantastic web page is going to get less and less and less. And so for business owners, you take that and say, there's not going to be a hard set of things that I need to focus on. I need to be focused on user satisfaction. I need to be focused on where am I appearing in the search results and am I providing a great experience? And how do I do that? And if somebody came to my site and read this page and they felt shortchanged 
because they were looking for this topic and what I gave them was this and it didn't provide all the information that I could have or I was so focused on my product I wasn't focused on what the user would want when they found my product when I take these things into account you're gonna start seeing that Google's machine learning technology is going to start to sit start to start to decide what is quality what isn't a lot quicker what is comprehensive coverage versus what is thin coverage? What is A versus B, whatever, however you want to say it? It's going to happen a lot, lot more, and you're going to see things like visual representation, uh, images, uh, image modeling, which they're already doing, uh, to say you know what images actually mean. You're going to see audio. Um, they can already, the predictive API can already break down audio chunks into syllables and things like that. So you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff like that. Uh, if you if you want to look up the predictive API, uh, that's a reference uh, that you can look up. There's a there's something that you can see some direct applications of machine learning uh, that that Google uses. Uh, sorry, it's called the prediction API. Um, and so you know, I like to think about it as no matter how I slice and dice my content item, um, I might be using you know algorithm A that looks at proximity of word a word A to word B. Uh, uh, or query similarity, or direct questions and answers, or other types of concepts. Um, what I'm trying to get to is, over time, the results are going to get better now at a rate that's even more amazing than it ever has been in the past. So I've got to satisfy the tasks that the users want to complete if I want to be successful. And in, also to, be, to make myself a model of authority on these topics. And that's how machine learning is going to affect you if it's not already. If it, it probably is already and you don't know it. Um, so I would look at the people you're competing with on the topics that you care about and say, oh, how are they doing a better job than me? Are they doing a better job than me on this topic? How are they doing a better job than me on this topic? What are users looking for this likely trying to accomplish? And over time, machine learning is going to make those result sets, the people who are doing it versus the have-nots. Great. Thank you. Okay, well, based off of what you just said, which I, there was one point you talked about, you know, are you giving the customers what you want? Right. Um, and there's a lot of um, SEOs today who state that conversion should be the complete focus mm -hmm. um, and keywords no longer matter. So my question to you is, do you feel that keyword query research is still important? Or are you, it, there's like a split and I don't know if it's, I guess I'm still stuck on keywords because <laughs> and when you think of semantic, you know, but a lot of people say they're dead and I just want to know what your thoughts are. I, I would love to take that one. Okay. <laughs> um, and the reason is because, you know, I am coming from SEM Rush, which, you know, is kind of first and foremost all about keywords, right? So I've made this sort of transition from, hmm, you know, looking at keywords to thinking more about also semantic relationships. So I think one thing that's really important to me that I talk about a lot is, is the difference between related keywords and understanding the semantic relationship between words. And that's a really good place to start when you're doing research for your new content. And so related keywords are used all the time. You find them in Google Keyword Planner, you find them. I don't know if you guys have that sort of thing in Authority Labs, but you know, SEM Rush and, and these other tools. The problem with them is that you don't know how the degree of relationship, how close it is. Um, so in SEM Rush, if you were to look for USA and the related keywords, one of the top ones in the list would be basketball. 
well, why is that, you know, number eight? Because they don't know how to, they don't know how to, you know, say the degree of relationships. And that's why a tool like Jeff's, also a technique that I developed that there's, there's free, um, there's, there, I have free access to this on my website, but that actually look at the appearance of these words and how often they come together um, tells you not just that they're related, but wow, you know, this one is really close and that one is further away, so that you can really start thinking about what are the things that you really need to mention more often than, than other times. So, so, okay, so that's a way of getting beyond just keywords. Having said that, you, you know, yes, Google will use, you know, related or semantic or synonyms when a person does a search and it's, it's not the exact same words. But, you know, a blue widget sometimes is just a blue widget. If somebody's looking for, like, a blue Cadillac and they search for blue Cadillacs, um, you know, uh, 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 Philadelphia, how many different, like, similar things can Google return? Not many. So keywords will always be really important in that way. They'll also be important because in the end, they are the way that we're looking for these similarities. So you may go from related keywords to semantic keywords, but in the end, we're always talking about words. They're what we're measuring. They're what we're using, and we're just when Jeff and I talk about using them in a comprehensive way, it just means, yes, these words are, are still important, but the way we put them on a page is more complex than just thinking about them as related. So I still try, you know, to rank for head tail, for head tail words and phrases because, again, a lot of times there aren't many ways of saying the same thing. Um, but I am looking for synonyms. I am looking for these other ways of saying it because I know that Google understands, in fact, better than people sometimes certain ways of phrasing things. Um, so the idea that keyword research is dead is ludicrous. And the people that say that, they're, they're doing one of two things. They're just, they're, you know, trying to drive people to listen to them to their whatever, their blog posts, or they don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Thank you. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely, and then we'll never be dead. It's totally ludicrous. I mean, Jeff, why do you think it's ludicrous? Because I know you uh, agree with me. Yes, I do. Well, it, it, even even tactically, if you were only looking, you know, I'll, I, I can talk about this for days, but you know, even even tactically, if you were only looking at what topics are, topics are groups of keywords or alignments, yeah. alignments of keywords. So it's a it's a building block. It's a superset. One's a superset of another. Um, it's a topic. A topic consists it is a word by the nature of what it is. But it's it's with the different tech. It's with the different techniques and strategies that one can employ. It also matters from a business owner's perspective. Their writing resources matter. It, it, it doesn't. The resourcing and the research. All that really matters is what is their writing resources in one case. In some cases, because what if your writing resources are not subject matter expertise? They don't have that. It's subject matter experts. All right. If you are a subject matter expert, then you find it natural to write an in-depth content item that's semantically relevant because you know if you're making this particular type of you know analysis of multi-factor authentication oh of course you'd want to mention two-factor authentication one factor three factor but if you're not and you're truly doing keyword research to figure out what this is all about so that you can try to construct something that's kind of relevant then you absolutely need more and more keyword research to really learn a topic to be able to write about it. If you have that subject matter expertise, you're going to be able to add even more value 
to your keyword research or your topic research. What you can learn from semantic analysis is the series of words that typically represent a page that covers all the topics that are important about topic X. Now, if you are already very powerful and you've done a lot of that work and you've made your site a success for these topics, now get into some fun stuff with variant targeting, synonym targeting. Write some content that adds prefixes and suffixes, that uses traditional keyword tools, adding those synonyms. Like, because when you are that model of authority, now take off every little piece of that puzzle and become even pow more powerful because when you add authority to a site on a main topic, all boats rise and you become a more dominant force. So keywords are a component of any cr creative writing strategy. It really ma what matters is your level of subject matter expertise on the writing side, on the research side, what is your true goal? And then downstream, cool strategies like variant targeting, competitive attacks, um, you know, where you're where you're 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 you know, documenting the topic structure of your of your competitor all the way down to the bits and pieces of target titles and all these things, and you know, pick them apart, pick them apart by being an authority and a variant winner, and you can do a lot of different fun things like that while appealing to user goals at the same time. Um, I think that's a real thought. No, keyword keyword research isn't dead. If it was dead, then um, uh, you know, you can you can you know, mime your text then, you know, <laughs> but, but until, until, until you're not miming online, uh, you know, keyword strategy, keyword strategy is really, really important and your keywords make up topics and your topics make up what you are about and what well, you're about yeah. is what's important. First, let me say thank you to Jeff for um, explaining why all these content writers that are experts in travel, SEO, cats, dogs, and medical can't create the kind of content that SEOs are looking for. Um, and I wanted to mention to Eric, um, Authority Labs has something called a Now Provided, where we take Google Sarah. Analytics and the SEMrush data and create oh. lists of related keywords, what you might be missing. Mm -hmm. um, and that has been so popular with the SEOs in the past, I mean, since we launched it, because it, eliminates a lot of the guesswork, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, so thank you both for that. Was, uh, there's some sound bites I want Michelle to take. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this over and over and over and, and get just as excited as Jeff every time I Sorry. listen. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I mean, this is the kind of information we want business owners to understand because I don't think when you read blogs, you don't get that nitty-gritty information of why it matters. It's it's basically nowadays regurgitated. Here's five reasons why you should do this, mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's very difficult for me to find high-quality content that can help people. Um, so thank you. Um, if we could get this, you know, what is it, what do they call it when they get all the words and they put it on? Make blog posts out of it. That would be great. We'll repurpose it. We'll <laughs> yeah. transcribe it. You're transcribing. Yes, we'll, please. We'll do, we'll do the natural language processing on it, break out all the topics. Right. And you can post each each topic and, each and we'll topic. write little blurbs in, you know. Yep. That would uh, be I, can, I can see my video editing life getting very busy trying to get all these clips right. together. Um, well, the next question I had, because um, I know you all are experts in this, um, what impact has Hummingbird had 
for, let's say, well, you, we know the web in general, but if you were going to talk to business owners exclusively or the people, the clients that come to you are like, what's wrong with my site? Why isn't it working? How would you explain the impact of Hummingbird? So, you know, the Hummingbird is now, it's, it's changed from, like, uh, you know, not to steal the thunder about keywords in isolation, but you can't create a page about a keyword that doesn't, isn't supported by content throughout the site that is about that topic. Um, so where, where you used to be focused on solely keywords, now it's focused on concepts, entities, topics. And so how does that manifest itself? If you went down that road and you've got pages that have title mentions keyword one, headline mentions keyword once, body mentions it, peppers in three times, and then I wrote about whatever I wanted, um, you're defining yourself to have degraded. Also, if you have not covered a topic extensively or if you try to cover it with one page that doesn't illustrate that you are an authority on that topic, you're going to see yourself degrade over time. Um, because in a sense, what makes you the most important page on the internet for that topic, that topic that you're going for? You can, there is off-page values, and they're all very, very important, and that's another, I know another topic for another day, because there's other signals that the search engines can use to say, oh, yes, uh, for Cadillacs in Atlanta, this is the place to go. There's other ways for them to figure that out. But as far as your, the, the collective of content on your site goes, you know, what does that mean, uh, and are you there? Uh, and so that, that's something that Hummingbird changed, because you can't just get there with a series of data points. Now it's a combination of those things that makes successful searches. And those successful searches could be happening for a lot of different reasons. So if you look at like the profile of on-page plus off-page plus quality even after Panda, um, and you mix all those together to show search results, now it's just this dynamic end set of factors that all combine for success. How do you reverse engineer that? That's how Hummingbird changed the world. It's not A, B, and C anymore. It's makes things good, makes things good, makes things better, equals this. And so it's, it's a good way to think about it. Yeah, and um, so I'll add a couple things to that. One thing that's really interesting is that because Google has more confidence mm -hmm. in being able to understand the content that's on page, I don't, I don't know if my screen can be seen, but maybe that's just how these Hangouts work. Um, is my screen showing now? No. No, not yet. Oh, there okay. We are. okay. Anyway, so um, what's you know part of why why Hummingbird and the complexity of Google now returns such great results is that they have the confidence to look deep into the page and understand the complexities of what a page is about. So you now see that the the sites that are you know really well written and that not just one page well written but a bunch of pages really cover something fully, they get ranked for a lot of long tail and. Um, you know, any business owner or somebody running a small website should know that probably most of your traffic comes from long tail keywords. So what's happening is that if, once you write like a, a piece, a longer form piece that's really well done and no one's done it as well, you start getting a ton of, of long tail from that. Um, and one of the ways, so again, that sounds really abstract, like how, how do I know that's true? Well, one way you know it's true is just by looking at looking at things on a page level. Are you getting, because there's the not provided, which you can get around, like with Authority Labs, and there's other ways, even Webmaster Tools gives you some ideas, but 
but you, you'll see that in your analytics, that you're getting a lot of traffic for longer terms for these pieces that you know you really wrote well and that they come together well. The other thing I've done, which is I thought was interesting, is I looked at using SAMrush, how many pages, how many words rank per page. And the sites that we know really cover topics well versus like this old school sites, um, it's unbelievable. You know, they'll, they'll rank for a thousand words. Now, obviously, sometimes that's because it's got a bit more link juice or something. So Wikipedia, you look at one page, how many like keywords that drive over 10 searches a month go to one Wikipedia page, it's typically a thousand. And it's hard to separate, well, or over a thousand. Is that because they're just like, the link juice is amazing, there, there are other offsite factors, or is it because it's the kind of full, you know, um, full comprehensive content about these topics, because in the end, they're, they, they seek to, to fully write about something. So it's hard to separate, you know, what's causing that for Wikipedia. But if you go and start looking at comparisons of other sites where, you know, they're, they're old school versus new school and there's not much engagement, it's not that well written versus there's more ways for users to engage on page and it is well written, you definitely see that those sites, and they may have, by the way, the exact same link profile. So it's not just off-site characteristics. You, you see that this better written, fully covered, full coverage page is getting ranked for much more long tail, like, you know, 10 searches per month type of words. Yes. That's a great place to go. And, you know, I, as he brought up Wikipedia, I had a, a friend one time tell me that, you know, my life history should be called beating Wikipedia. Um, Cause that was a focus of one of my, 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 uh, a long time in-house career um, for me. Um, but, you know, words per page, keyword, keywords per page that are, that you're getting from keyword ranking tools. That's a great uh, report. I know that's coming from uh, uh, a third party tool. What I also to take to flip that back on, on its side, those are keywords with volume, keywords with measured repeatable volume as coming from the keyword tools, right? So that's important. So now I like to look at other sources of data to see that. And when you've got a page that has a thousand key, trackable keywords with volume, now look at the total entrances, right? What can you learn from that? You can learn uh, click through rate. Is it outpacing averages? You can also learn what I like to call the term pool multiplier. Sorry to get a little abstract, but if I can calculate from a third-party tool that I should have gotten 1,000 entrances, but I'm actually getting 6,000, and there's a gap of 5,000 entrances that I don't know where they're coming from, ooh, that's a powerful authority page. Oh, there's a lot of long tail that I need to do more research on. And so when I can find pages with that term pool multiplier that's really high, I've got so much work to do to figure out how I can really take advantage of that. So, yeah. So well, fun. and thank you. I think that um, everything that Jeff and Eric have said since the last question I asked is uh, it's it should be played for every client that is like, I don't have the money for content. <laughs> or, you know, because right. a lot of people say they shouldn't spend money on content, and you can't, you have to or you're just not going to survive. Well, a lot of people say they shouldn't spend money on content planning as well. And I'm like, okay, just burn all your money into a big fire pit, and then someone else is going to come along and outperform you with great content. Um, right. So keyword content planning and then actually content. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're in a situation where you have um, 
you know, a special situation where you're selling a product and you don't care about the product, you know, oh, I'm not going to write content about that thing. It's just going to be out of inventory next week. Okay, well, then you better be an authority on one level up the topic tree if you're going to go there. In any other situation, you should be spending money on content. Yeah. Yeah. In the olden days when I was building websites for people, the content came first. It gave me the structure of how the site was going to be built and what was going to be in the navigation. And I see the reverse of that being done. Here's a website. We think we want these pages. Now create content. And it just mm -hmm. doesn't work as well. Yeah, um, my, my background is information architecture and usability. Um, and so, yeah, you're right on. There's a lot of parallel. You might be in – a lot of your business owners or people, I don't know exactly who's watching this, um, but they might be in situations where the only content they're allowed to control is in the blog, and the blog rides in a parallel line to all of their other products. Yep. Guess what? You've created a silo. Don't silo your content. Don't silo. <laughs> Figure out a way. Figure out a way to connect the dots because that's what people want to do. If they read your post about how fantastic your cheese product is, right, and then you can connect and actually make those relevant contextual links, don't silo them. Just because it's corporate marketing and product marketing and search marketing and they don't talk to each other, you still have to connect your content, you know, and, and it, just because your editor doesn't like your SEO doesn't mean that you should, you know, them up and separate the content because when Google reads that, they're going to see that there's something wrong. There's something seriously wrong with your nat. You're not natural. Your structure isn't natural. It's not how users should consume your content. So I see a lot of situations where you know you have a blog link on the bottom, and then you got a thousand content items in the blog, and like everything else is over here. What's what? What message does that send to the search engines? It says you don't really care about the content down there. Your, con your company doesn't care yet. you got to be that internal advocate that says, yo, care about this. That's the only way it's going to get traction. We need to integrate it. We need to integrate it. And yeah, exactly. What message you know, What message does that send to everyone that looks at that? It's, you know, oh, there's a pocket of content. Oh, okay. You know, they did it for SEO. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of optimized sites that don't make money, you know? True story. <laughs> and that's what I think uh, people need to get. Now, based on, I think this next question, you, you all have probably answered as well. Um, I ask everyone this question because uh, I know there's a lot of SEO agencies out there, and I, I don't want to take money out of their pocket. But this gets harder and harder every year, and the skill set and the ability to – Understand the data is more and more important every year. Um, what skill sets do you think that SEOs need to have today to actually do a good job for clients? And mm -hmm. then what recommendation would you have for clients looking to hire an agency? Mm -hmm. Like what should they look for? Because I've, there's all these articles about here's your checklist of what to ask, and they're all stupid. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to know there's what... one that's really good. I'll, I'll, I'll send it. I'll, okay. I'll send, I forget where it is, but there's actually one that's really good. I didn't write it either. So okay. well, I'm, I'm about to, I don't even know who wrote it. I just read it one time, but yeah. Thank you. We, <laughs> we all need that. Yeah, I think, um, so actually I, I tend to not read that kind of thing. Um, so, so maybe it's good because, because my perspective is just, is just what I think and not really influenced by reading that sort of thing. Although of course, also from talking to, to others in the space. But I think um, one of the most obvious things that you need to look for is that 
somebody understand SEO now overlaps with many different disciplines so that person has to really understand the overlap I mean you can't be doing SEO and not really get social um, you can't be doing it and not be good at some some data analysis um, and it, you know honestly it does make it harder for somebody to do a small website all by themselves although it's true that you know they don't run into as many complexities. I mean, so for example, last night I was up till two in the morning doing redirects from link reclamation for a huge e-commerce site. And I was like, why am I doing this? Shouldn't this be like someone that's just much more all about the tactical and stuff? Um, you know, it just, I think it's more complex these days. And so you need to have that overlap. You need to know, by the way, I would say one of for, I, I sort of speak to a lot of SEOs, and it's, again, part of having come from, from SEM Rush that I made these connections. And one of the things I see is the most sought-after skill is technical SEO, and it's so important. And, again, you know, that that's more complex than it was two years ago, but it's, it's looking at all these on-site things. I mean, I have someone working on a 30-page a document like a writing a freaking book <laughs> for the client. I, I think it's 30, maybe it's bigger about all of the things that are good and bad and what they can act on the most for a very big site, granted. Um, so, you know, there's these disparate skills. Um, it's, it's more complex. And then I'm trying to think what else I might be missing here. Um, it's, it, I just think it's crazy when people say SEO is any less important, and I think it's been shown that it's not. I mean, Moz has done, for example, a study that showed that, I think it was from Indeed.com, that in fact the term SEO in job headlines appears more than it did a year or two ago. So it's not less relevant, it's just, you know, it's, it's you need to have a broader skill set or you need to be able to work with the other people that can can contribute to what you're doing. Yeah, I, th I think you hit a lot of you hit a lot of them, and and you know, I guess I'll I'll be a little bit more blunt on a few things, uh, but but um, you know, red flags, guarantees, guarantees, in if you're strictly talking to an SEO, should scare the heck out of you, mm -hmm. um, and, and when they're if they're guaranteeing something without understanding your business in detail, and a, a search engine optimization team should be thinking about inbound marketing as a whole. Understand your entire portfolio of traffic. Um, they should be under trying to understand your business. They shouldn't have a factory mentality for their clients. You should understand the dynamics between the, between all of their clients. And do, do they treat you the same way as they treat another pool of customers? If they're not willing to answer questions that you ask um, for any reason, or they fluff answers that you answers when you ask them really tough questions about their processes if they're saying that they have black box or systems behind the scenes go that extra level ask them about those systems ask them what they do uh, take take that into consideration be the devil's advocate they don't want to hear because that's when you're gonna figure out what they're really made of whether you're talking to someone with one year of expertise who learned from six or seven PowerPoints and by reading reading a book or two or whether you're dealing with somebody who needs to connect you one level up in their organization to the person that really knows what's going on. Uh, you need to get to that bottom of that because certainly, you know, search engine optimization agencies, search engine marketing agencies, all inclusive agencies have to have uh, people of various skill sets. But who do you want to do business with? That's really important when I'm when I'm 
uh, talking to people about this, and people ask me this question every day because I was an in-house for 15, 16 years um, and didn't. And so you know, I have the absolute you know vision. Tell them what your problems are, right? If they don't want to know what your problems are, give them an opportunity to ask what your problems are. But if you go into that conversation and it never gets to what your problems are, it gets to the products they're selling or the things that they're selling or the pieces of expertise that they know more than you know or scaring you, leading a conversation with fear, uncertainty, and doubt in a conversation, that irks the heck out of me. All right, Disruptive selling is one thing. Hey, I, there's a great opportunity for you. Uh, to really take over this space. I can see it. Entering that conversation by saying, you're 22 in the search results, become 10. You know, it's like, don't don't try to scare me into do, into spending my money. Um, you know, you're a consultant. You should be thinking about how I can do a better job. Those are the different types of things I like to look at. And on the technical side, absolutely. Ask them some tough questions. If I were going to change my website from this domain to that one, how would you handle that? Come up with a tricky set of technical observations. Oh, you know what? If I wanted to, you know, these two content items. If I wanted to merge them into one, what would you recommend? Uh, if I wanted to change my taxonomy in my site, how would you go about doing that? In general, just give me some abstracts. If they can't react to that and tell you how to do it, they're not the business for you. Yeah, and just yeah. two other quick things too. I, I would just say goals are so important, but they can be the biggest challenge of both choosing, you know, whether it's a consultant or a company for an engagement, but also for the for that person that's on the, the agency side or the consultant side. So goal think about how you can set realistic goals. That's really important. And there's often a mismatch. So, you know, I get a lot of people saying that they want to see a certain percentage of traffic growth um, in the and they want to they want to set that in the beginning before the, an engagement. But you know, clients have to understand that a lot of this is similar to public relations. You know, yes, I have a history of if I were in PR of getting articles published in I don't know, you know, Philadelphia today or whatever city I'm in, um, and that's what you can go on. But can I tell you that? that I'm going to be able to get your business in Philadelphia today? No, I can't. So there's some uncertainty there. So, But having said that, there are definite goals. And some websites, usually the ones that have been around longer, if you're hiring someone, there's a lot of stuff that can jump out. And that's, you know, you're almost in a better position hiring someone because they can really, the smart people can say, wow, look at this. I see this just from a pretty quick look. And, and they can explain it well to you as to how it will help change it. Other sites, um, you know, either if they're newer or they're just less definable as to what can be done for success. Right. Um, you know, I had an interesting case where someone had been in, in you know, ranking number one for basically uh, cosmetic dentistry in one of the biggest markets in the United States. And he thought that and hoped that I could look at, at everything going on with competitors and himself within five hours and just see what pops as to what the reasons were that he'd fallen behind. But it can be very complex. You know, it's in the, in his case, it was really a lot of things. It wasn't just one thing. And I had more than a theory. I was pretty, pretty sure that there was one in particular that was really causing problems that I wanted to focus on. But, you know, again, with some sites, you don't know exactly coming into it what the goal should be in terms of traffic, but you can you can certainly 
predict and make some goals about this is going to help more than that, and here's what we can expect to see um, happen by making these certain changes. Yeah, and and you know, having lead goals, having traffic goals are all fantastic. Getting making sure though that you when you give those goals to your agency or to someone that's helping you that you support them with their strategy too. Uh, so if they say you're going to have to build this to get that, uh, you you have to execute on it if that's your job to do it too. And if you need you know lead conversion help or you know you you're going to have to build some you know premium content if that is your business model, um, you know you're going to have to support that. So you know if you have those expectations of achieving your goals, if they're an all-inclusive agency, you know you got to give them enough rope too. Great, thank you. And um, one thing I'd like to say based off what Jeff and Eric mentioned repeatedly um, is the conversation you'd have with an SEO company. So if you reach out to one and they re send a quote and they haven't talked to you yet <laughs> and they haven't really got nitty gritty into what you do and what you need, they're not right. Absolutely. Um, and there's no standard SEO for everybody. It's all unique plans for everyone. and. I see these quotes and I like, oh my god. <laughs> well, it's it's great if, if it's great if they've shown you it's it's, it's referenced as an insight-based sale, insight-based sale, insight-based selling. Um, it's great if they've done some work, if they've done some personalized work to tell you something about your business, and that's how they engage with you. That's a great sign that they actually care and they have a great sales process too. Um, right. Now, now that I'm selling all day every day, that's uh, you know part part of the world. You know, I, we make sure we go in with a lot of information. That's Part of part of the mystique, right? So right. you want to make you want to make sure that they've actually done that work, and it's not just a boilerplate. I mean, like you said, a, a boilerplate quote. Yee. If it says X keywords, twenty six keywords, and we're going to improve your ranking for five keywords this month, and then ten next year. It's like, no, no, you're not. You you're really not. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Michelle, did we have a question? I do not have anything coming over the authority HOA hashtag at the moment. I have been sharing several of the really good quotable quips <laughs> and making sure that people are watching and paying attention. And we've had several people check in, check out, check in, Great. check out, which is cool because everybody's getting that bit of information that they really wanted. So... Well, there well, is, but no viewer questions. There is one question, and you might not have seen it because you were tweeting so much. Um, and I don't know if, the, if you all can answer this. It says, I use Authority Labs to track a few keywords, but I really want to dig in and get the most out of my site. Best place to start is, I would recommend rewatch this whole video. <laughs> um, and take a lot of notes, number one. But if you all have any other thoughts... Well, I, I think I think someone like someone in that situation where they're tracking only a few keywords, um, try to think about what are the user intent profiles that they're going for with their site. Uh, try to start thinking about competitive analysis. Those would be two places I would go. Um, both things you can do with Authority Labs certainly, and also just in your mental model. Uh, try to think about um, what are what's the build out a model of what some of your competitors are doing, the ones you consistently see. Um, Try to find areas areas of opportunity where you have you know pool pockets of keywords within a topic that are all kind of lagging behind where you'd like them to be. Try to ask yourself why and do a little bit more research and take the next step on that. I think that would be a good next step for somebody in that situation. So, and I, I would also say um, 
So one of the best techniques when it comes to competitive research is to find sort of a carbon copy of your, of your website. Find another site that you see as being just like yours. And that's usually limited most by, um, when you're looking for that, those, those three or four competitors by, you know, what sector are they in or what topics do they cover. So um, if you- You're giving it all away today, Eric. Well, I mean, isn't I that- I love it, yeah. Now? I know, that, that's awesome. I, I, that, that made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so if you're, um, boy, my, my example box in my head is not doing so well today with blue widgets and boring things like that, but um, let me see if I can be more creative. Uh, uh, I'm looking at my apartment to see if there's something more interesting, uh, and there's not. So, all right, so you're doing uh, frames, but a certain kind of frames, like um, platinum frames. No, all right, anyway, online framing. But So you want to find other sites that have similar keyword profiles, and, and tools can help you do that but also have similar authority based on like links and a, a tool that can give you the link, you know, the link authority or, you know, the, the Moz authority. Once you've done that, the, the real trick in all of this is, yes, keep in mind you need to be comprehensive in what you write, but, um, and I think a lot of people use this strategy, but then when you find these carbon copy sites to yours, you say, okay, well, what they could rank for, I can rank for. So you never, thought of writing about, you know, um, I don't know, five by seven wooden frames, but everyone out there is searching for that. It's got tons of search volume, and you see that your carbon copy um, websites were able to rank in the top seven for that. Go for it. Um, but, you know, you also see tons of search volume for another search, and you see that those carbon copy sites tried to write about that and failed. So don't do it, <laughs> unless you think you know. There's other reasons why they didn't achieve it. Oh, yeah, that's it. You got it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I always, I always like to, I always like to look at like uh, references where you know dial one number higher. Yeah, they always say you know if you want to go there, that's a that's a good reference. You can look that one up. But um, uh, you know, look at the collective of stuff and do it a little bit better if that's if you're so inclined and sometimes that can make a big impact and when you're looking at parallel sites parallel sites like Eric just described um, I mean it's a winning it's a winning strategy it works yeah <laughs> something I used to do is I would take whatever the topic was and I would go to like a city like Beverly Hills or New York where those people had the money to invest in their content and website for maybe mm -hmm. the same topic and there's great ideas in there Great related keywords, you know. You don't have to necessarily look just in your town. I would look at the people that had the money to spend to do it right. I'd look at their strategy. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, oh yeah, yeah. When you can find pockets of content, it's it's it, that's that's a way to do it. And if you can find their gaps, topic gaps, a very important competitive topic gaps. If you can fill their gaps, they're not going to fill theirs likely. So when you fill their gaps, you start outperforming Wikipedia. <laughs> well, thank you. You guys were amazing. I think this is probably the most informative hangout we've ever had. Um, wow. Can, so, I can, I, can I put that on my website? And post yes. I'll yes. link to your Twitter profile. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really loved everything you all had to say. So Great thank you so much for all your knowledge. So 
And um, where can the audience find you on Twitter? Or? Um, my Twitter is Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y underscore coil. Okay. Um, my business is Market Muse, M-A-R-K-E-T-M-U-S-E-C-O. Uh, and marketmuse.com. My email is jeff at marketmuse.com, and you can send me whatever you want. Um, and uh, my phone number is 678. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, um, I was kind of one up him on the phone number and give something that's like even easier to reach me, but I can't think of a way to do that. Um, I do use Twitter a lot, and I do have a very long name, so. I don't know how anyone's going to remember this. If you want to throw it up on, um, you know, on your on yeah, chat well, right now, great. But it's you know what? If you guys will follow the Authority Labs Twitter account or the hashtag Authority HOA, we have been pinging both Eric and Jeff all the way through this. It's oh, great. really easy to find yes. their handles if you just go find us on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, that's easy. And then, you know, the other thing I just mentioned is that I, I'm, like I said, kind of excited that um, just launching this company, I've had a website around for a, for a long time, but um, it's kind of done a rebrand and just went on to a new domain to reflect my new company name. So, so my website, if you want to check it out, is clickstream.cc. So hope that's not. Um, I didn't use the CC because I wanted to be like a like a hipster or something. Um, I did it because it's the most fun domain extension that Clickstream has not already been used on. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, and Michelle's gonna have a lot of work to do. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. This have, is have my kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Okay, Michelle. Well, that does it for us and this edition of the Authority HOA. This is also the last Hangout for the calendar year of 2015. Please keep your eyes open and join us for 2016. We've got several great guests and topics lined up for January once you are ready to kick off your new year. But until then, thank you very much for joining us. Bye.